0: he is risen. Christ is risen from the dead, and by his death he has trampled up on death for those who are in the tomb. My brothers and sisters, If I were to describe to you in sufficient detail how unlikely that last moment was, I would keep you here all afternoon. Suffice it to say that my life is a litany of confronting things that seem unimaginable and impossible. There was a point in my life where if you had come to me and said, one day you will be a Catholic priest, I would have responded no differently had you said, you know, one day you're going to be a voodoo witch doctor. There was a point in my life when I was going through the undergraduate program. I got to the last semester before graduation and they told me, you have to take a public speaking class or you will not graduate. And I said, but you don't understand, I will never speak in public. And so I really shouldn't be expected to take this class. There was a point in my life when I was studying how to give a homily, and the professor said, you know, you don't have to write out your homily. You can just use notes or an outline or maybe nothing at all. And I said, oh, no, Monsignor, I couldn't possibly do that. And he said, later, he said, you know, you don't have to stay at the Ambo. You can move out into open space. And I said, Oh, no, Monsignor, I can't do that. And then again, all the way down at the end of seminary, right before we were going to graduate, they said, and you're going to take a music practicum to learn how to sing during the Mass. And I remember very clearly walking down the hallway that morning to the first meeting of that practicum, and I say, okay, well, I'll go to class, but there is no way I will ever sing at Mass. (laughs) And even within the last year, I get a phone call from Father Dave Schalk, who said, well, you know, Father Dave Sizemore needs help. And I'll be honest with you, my immediate reaction was, that can't possibly be true. I know, Father Dave, he's like the Mary Poppins of the Diocese of Columbus. (laughs) Everywhere he goes, he does magical things all by himself. And if I were to go, then all I could do is get in the way. And the point of all is that the disillusionment and the doubt that the disciples on the road to Emmaus is very easy to understand. They were still dealing with the grief, the paralyzing grief that they experienced at hearing that Jesus is dead. And they leave Jerusalem believing very understandably that somehow what Jesus had told them was not true. That somehow. His mission had failed. And they were so deep in their disillusionment and in their misunderstanding that seeing Jesus, seeing their risen and Eucharistic Lord, they did not know Him. They did not see Him. And He tells them, How foolish you are. Why so slow to believe? And notice very well that their disillusionment continues until he breaks the bread. And then they see And I'm sure that in that moment, they saw him in a way that they had never seen him before. And they were so moved and so inspired that they didn't even think about what to do next. They got up and they ran back to Jerusalem. Because the thought that there were any of their brothers and sisters who were still mired in disillusionment and despair was unbearable to them. And they ran back for the sole purpose of bearing witness to all that they had seen and heard. And to say to their brothers and sisters exactly what our Lord and Savior said to them. Do not be disbelieving, but believe. And this is the perfect insight for baptized Catholics, particularly in the West in the 21st century. It is astonishing to realize how many baptized souls within the visible boundaries of the church today confront the question, is Jesus really who he says he is? and am I really who he says I am, respond saying, no, I don't think so. And I would suggest to you that every bit of questioning, every bit of doubt, every bit of dissent, every bit of conflict within the church today is the direct result of a baptized soul saying, well, you know, no, I just don't believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And I just don't believe that I am who he says I am. And all of the disorder that we see are the things that swoop into the vacuum that results. Because if we somehow allow the real presence of our risen and Eucharistic Lord to fail to take the center of our lives, both as persons and as families and as a worshiping community, the result is always the same. Disillusionment, doubt, which left untended by grace inevitably metastasizes into conflict, division, estrangement, violence, and spiritual death. And thanks be to God for those elements in the church that are beginning to rise up among us, to remind us that while we may become unfaithful, while we may become disillusioned, while we may become estranged and allow ourselves to fall into conflict that is utterly of human invention, God always remains faithful. And every single time that a sincere and hopeful heart turns to our Lord and says, Lord, come to me, come to my broken and insufficient heart. And where you find ignorance, Lord, bring your truth. Where you find malice, Lord, bring your compassion and mercy. Where you find weakness, Lord, bring your strength and your perseverance. And where you find selfish desire, Lord, bring the soul desire for holiness. And increase my confidence, Lord, that when you do these things, Please note very well, I did not say, if, Lord, you do these things. When, Lord, you do these things, increase my confidence that I will emerge from that moment transformed into a clearer and more confident instrument of your will in the world that you created me to serve. People often say to me, Father, your story is amazing. But I'm telling you right now, it is not amazing at all in the sense that the baptism that I received, identical to yours. The confirmation I received, identical to yours. The Eucharist I received, identical to yours. And if there has been any difference in my life at all, it is because there were witnesses in my life. Whenever I was beginning to struggle with doubt about Catholic faith itself, God sent people to me to bear witness to the truth about Catholic faith, about vocation, about service, about obedience, to go wherever my bishop tells me to go. In spite of all of my innumerable reasons to say, ah, that can't possibly be true, do you realize that your encounter with Jesus right here, right now is identical to that encounter that the two disciples on the road to Emmaus had with Jesus that fateful afternoon? And so I encourage you each and every one of you. When you get a moment, send me an email and say, Father, can we please talk? Can we please talk about how I can take that next step toward becoming the witness to Christ and the instrument of God's will in the world that he created me to serve. Because right now I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough knowledge. I'm too scared of what my neighbors or my family might say about Again, so many reasons to kick the can down the road again. That is my sincere prayer for all of you. That you will look up as the disciples on the road to Emmaus did. That you will encounter our Lord in a way that you have never encountered him before. And that when you reach that moment of insight, it will be your turn to stand and to run, to run back to my home, to run back to my school, to run back to my workplace, to run back to, I don't know, the line at Kroger. To tell the world, this is why Jesus is good news for me and for you and for everyone that you love.